Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is creepiest places on earth. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the, the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize, and neither of us have any particular knowledge of paranormal or other unexplained activity. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. There seem to be a lot of the creepiest places on Earth. So, how do we choose which ones to talk about? I think that the more unusual are the most interesting, starting with the Bangar Fort built in the 17th century in Rajasthan, India, apparently by a general for his son. What is the nearest major city, and what is so creepy about it? The fort is located in hills 235 kilometers or 146 miles from Delhi in northern India. Here is a description from the Atlas Obscura website. Quote, Technically, Bangar Fort is actually a small city with temples, palaces, and multiple gates. The sprawling grounds cover a swath of land at the foot of a picturesque mountain, but according to locals, all is not well in on the preserves grounds. A number of legends regarding the lonely historical buildings exist, but two stand out above the rest. One legend speaks of a holy man who lived in the area of the fort and built a house, which he did not want any other house to eclipse, warning that should the shadow of any taller building ever touch his abode, he would destroy the entire fort city, which he assumedly did, unquote. What was the other legend that stood out? The Better India website describes another well-known legend. The Rat Navati referred to was a local princess. The scent referred to was her perfume. Quote, another version of the story states that the wizard who had black magic powers fell in love with Rat Navati. One day the wizard replaced the princess's scent with some potion to make her fall in love with him. 
Ratnavati discovered the wizard's trickery and threw the bowl of potion on a boulder nearby, which started rolling down and killed the wizard. After dying, the wizard cursed that Bangar would be destroyed and no one will ever be able to live here, unquote. So what happens if you're in the fort after darkness? The Better India website indicates that few are given the opportunity to find out. Quote, many visitors and tourists have confirmed that there is a strange feeling of restlessness and unusual energy in the fort. There have been many documentaries made on this unique, unique site of Rajasthan. Bangar is the only place in India which is recognized as legally haunted, and one has to take permission from the government to enter the premises after sunset or before sunrise. Locals believe that whoever has entered the fort in the dark has never been found again, unquote. The Indian government must have had some good reasons to go as far as to ban people after dark. Yes, there's a sign written in Hindi outside the fort that prohibits visiting between sunrise and sunset. The story goes that Princess Ratnavati must return to Bangar Fort to free the city from its curse. That doesn't sound to be a practical proposition unless reincarnation is involved. But what is the next unusual creepy place? The Catacombs of Paris. The following is from Wikipedia. Quote, the Catacombs of Paris are underground osseries in Paris, France, which hold the remains of more than six million people in a small part of a tunnel network built to consolidate Paris's ancient stone mines, extending south from the Barrier Dumfort, or the Gate of Hell, former city gate. This ossuary was created as part of the effort to eliminate the city's overflowing cemeteries. Preparation work began not long after a, 19, uh, sorry, a 1774 series of gruesome San Innocent cemetery quarter basement wall collapses added a sense of urgency to the cemetery eliminating measure. And from 1786, nightly processions of covered wagons transferred remains from most of Paris's cemetery, cemeteries to a mine shaft open near the Rue de la Tombe Isoire. The Austrian remained largely forgotten until it became a novelty place for concerts and other private events in the early 19th century. After further renovations and construction of the excesses around Plasten for Rochereau, it was open to public visitation from 1874. Since January the 1st, 2013, the catacombs number among the 14 City of Paris museums managed by Paris Musée. Although the ossuary comprises only a small section of the underground Carrier de Paris, quarries of Paris, Parisians presently, offer, presently often refer to the entire network as the catacombs, unquote. What does the part of the tunnels open to the public look like? The walls are made up of neatly and artistically stacked bones and skulls. Looking at pictures is not hard to believe the remains of six million people are stored down there. I expect that outbreaks of the plague had a lot to do with the large number of bones. Besides human remains being creepy in themselves, is there anything really scary about the catacombs? The website Ranker describes some of the experiences. Quote, those who dare venture into the catacombs after midnight reportedly hear the walls t talking to them. Disembodied voices try to lure adventurers farther into the tunnels, encouraging them to lose their way and suffer a slow and agonizing death. There are rumors of people wandering off into the maze-like tunnels and going mad. In 2010, cave explorers recovered video footage that they claimed showed a man wandering lost through the dark corridors until he finally panics, drops the camera, and bolts off into the dark, never to be seen again, though others doubt the authenticity of that of the recording. The footage is said to have inspired the catacomb horror movie As Above, So Below, 2014. That wasn't, if that wasn't terrifying enough, cultists are said to steal bodies from morgues and bring them into the catacombs to perform evil rituals. The remains of sacrificial murder victims are also said to litter the dark corridors already embedded with human bones. With all that in mind, it's probably best to stick with an official group tour." Uh, unquote. There's also the story of Philibert Asper. I will guess that Philibert Asper didn't disappear from an official tour group. No, he went missing through, uh, sorry, he went missing during the French Revolution. The following is from the Kickstarter website, quote, one day in November 1793, Philibert Asper, doorkeeper of 
the Val de Grasse Hospital during the French Revolution decided to go into the catacombs using a passage which, which was in the hospital. He was supposed to look for the famous Chartreuse liquor stocked in the cellar of a convent under the Jardin de Luxembourg, the garden near the Palace of the Senate in the sixth arrondissement. So Philibert Asper, driven by his craving for booze, went to the catacombs with only one candle, which was a terrible mistake. His light suddenly went out and lost among the tunnels and bones beneath Paris, he died alone. Imagine the fear he must have known, alone in the darkness, wandering in the galleries and knocking into everything before finally losing his strength and collapsing. Eleven years later, his remains were found in one of the galleries and, and identified by the key ring of the, uh, of the Val de Grasse he had on him, as well as a bottle of alcohol. He was buried at the palace. He was, at, he was found a few meters from an exit. And today the cataphiles, that's lovers of the catacombs, pay their respects at his grave. Philibert is celebrated as the protector of the cataphiles. Each third of November, his ghost is said to haunt the galleries of the catacombs, unquote. We will move on to some more catacombs that are even more weird than the Paris catacombs. Yes, the terrifying catacombs of the Capuchin monks located in Palermo, Palermo rather, Sicily. Here's part of an article from the Palermo for 90 day, 91 Days website. Quote, Found on the outer limits of the city, the Capuchin catacombs hold the remains of over 8,000 souls, their disembodied shells propped, propped up against the walls or resting in open caskets. Down, down in the cold, dry basement of the monastery, the restless, relentless march of decompos decomposition takes its sweet time. It's a gruesome display. Though some bodies have been reduced to skulls and bones, the majority of corpses are still rotting and their half-decomposed husks are the stuff of nightmares. Face, skin, slowly peeling off skulls, corpses striking ghoulish poses as their bodies slowly fall apart. Hollowed-out faces were with grotesque grimaces, teeth and even moustaches still intact. An infant in a tiny coffin, its face reduced to a pile of crinkled skin like dry, crushed leaves. But with that, I think it's time for a break. Yes, we'll continue talking about the creepiest places on earth after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. 
Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. to be true and before the break we were talking about the capuchin monks located in palmero sicily and dad you were quoting from the palmero for 91 days website so can you please continue yes monks dressed in hooded robes staring at you from their internal perch and an entire army of the baby undead it isn't the kind of horror which jumps out at you and you scream and then laugh about it no the catacombs provide a long-lasting sense of dread which worsens with each step which becomes more unbearable the longer you remain, unquote. That all seems pretty weird as well as scary. When did this gruesome exhibit start? The Palermo, Palermo sorry, for 91 Days article continues, quote, The first monk was interned here in 1599, and his 400-year-old corpse is still on hand to greet visitors upon entrance. For centuries, the catacombs were strictly for the, for the monks, but eventually opened to well-paying members of the public, for reasons that can only be understood as macabre, families actually wanted the corpses of their loved ones preserved in display so that they could come to visit. The standard method of preservation was to open up the corpse, corpse shortly after death and remove all the vital organs. Then the body would be stuffed with hay and left in the sun to dry up. Many of the corpses would have hay poking through their necks and falling out of holes in their skin. We can only pray that a herd of horses, <laughs> sorry, it's so funny, never finds its way to the catacombs because that would be a truly unholy feeding frenzy, unquote. Um, with that, uh, when did the last guest check in? The same article continues, quote, the final soul to be interned here was a benefactor of a special conservation process designed by a specialist named Solifia. Baby Rosalie Lombardo died in 1920 at the age of two. Her body, which rests in a special room of, of the catacombs, resembles a life-size doll, complete with eyelashes and hair. Far from being a sweet or a miracle of science, she might be the most horrendous resident of all. The one you, you just know is going to open her eyes the moment you turn your back. Luckily for all of us, the good Dr. Solofia died before he could pass on his preservation method." Unquote. I think that's enough of the catacombs. The next location is in the United States. The following is an article from the Midwestern Ghosts and Haunting Blogspot website regarding Dead Man's Pond. Quote, in quiet little Hamlet Park of Cottage Grove, Minnesota, a tragedy would occur years ago that ripples through to this day. Many believe that a small swampy pond located in the park is haunted and just waiting to claim the life of its next victim. The algae cover covered pond is very shallow, but the underlying mud goes very deep. It began back in the 1950s when a little boy and his friends were at the park. The boy wandered into the wooded area where the pond was located. He was chasing a frog around to amuse himself. 
The frog hopped into the water and he decided to wade in after it. However, when the boy realized he was too far and attempted to turn around, he started sinking into the mud. The harder he fought, the deeper he sank. His friends came looking for him as he began to yell for help. Just as they arrived, he screamed that something had got a hold of his leg and he was pulled under, never to be seen again. Stories said the pond has claimed the lives of others who have attempted to go into it, so it earned the name Dead Man's Pond. No one ever dared to go near the pond after that. However, there is always one in the crowd. In more recent years, another man who had been in the pond went missing. After searching the park for him, they decided to drain the pond and search for his body. When the pond was empty, nothing was found but a little boy's shoe, unquote. That story sounded a little vague with no names or actual dates. For the next creepy location, we are going to stay in the United States. Holy Land, USA in Waterbury, Connecticut is, is now disused, having been closed in the 1980s. Here is part of an article from the Atlas Obscura website. Quote, in the early 1950s, John Baptist Greco, a staunch Roman Catholic, had a vision of a roadside theme park devoted to God. By the end of the decade, he had created exactly that, a theme park built to replicate a miniature Bethlehem. By the 1960s, the park was visited by some 50,000 people a year. One could come and see a re recreation of the Garden of Eden, biblical-themed dioramas and various tributes to the life and work of Jesus Christ. The park was perhaps best, best known for its Hollywood star sign reading Holy Land USA and its 56-foot steel cross that can be seen for miles, especially when lit up at night. It is said that there is a town joke that citizens grew up thinking Jesus was electrocuted on the cross. In 1984, the park was closed for renovation. Greco had hopes of expanding the site to attract more visitors. However, however this was never achieved as he died in 1986. Unquote. 56 feet is about 17 meters. What happened after John Baptist Greco died? The Atlas Obscura article continues, quote, Responsibility for the park passed to a group of nuns. For a while they tried to keep the park clean and look neat looking, but never open to the public. Regardless of, the, of their efforts, the park became seedy and vandalized since Greco's death. To this day, the nuns still own the property, however, it is the local teenagers and foragers who have made their mark. Statues have been beheaded, dioramas destroyed, and tunnels blocked. Occasionally, tourists still look, still stop to look and even explore, but they make sure they are gone before dark. While much of the park remains, in recent years it's become dangerous and was the site of a murder of a young woman in 2010. Holy Land is far from being the safe haven of a replica spirituality that it once was. The property was purchased a few years back. The nuns moved elsewhere and no trespassing si signs posted everywhere. Best bet, stay away. There's not enough left to justify the trip to get there. The neighborhood is questionable, even by Waterbury standards, unquote. Is that the end of the story? There was an update to the article in May of this year as follows. Quote, Holy Land has been undergoing a refurbishing by the, by the mayor, Neil M. O'Leary, and volunteers have been working to get it open, possibly by the end of 2018. The old cross has been removed and a larger cross that is lit up at night, sometimes with different colors, reflecting a religious day or holiday." Unquote. I think that exhibits from the 1950s or 1960s might look quaint and interesting in of themselves, but tastes and styles have changed. Let's go to the final creepy place for today, the Devil's Pool, 60 kilometers or 37 miles south of Cairns in northern Queensland, Australia. Here's part of an article from the Mysterious Universe website. Quote, what has, become to known, what has come to be known as the Babinda boulders are well known for the inviting crystal clear waters of the streams and the idyllic picturesque natural beauty to be found all around. Which, which have served to attract droves of tourists to the spot every year. However, what many of the photographers, campers and hikers at this peaceful spot, as well as the swimmers wading through calmer portions of the pool might not be aware of, is that this site goes by another far more ominous nickname of the Devil's Pool, and has been feared by the Aborigines of the area for centuries, perhaps with good reason as this is a place long steep with death, foreboding, and a dark reputation." Unquote. 
So how can this wonderful sounding place be so creepy? The Mysterious Universe website continues the story. Quote, the native people of the area have long shunned the deceptively quiet poor, and one Aboriginal legend is particularly tragic. According to the dark tale, there was once a young, beautiful woman from the Yidinji tribe named Ulana, and this maiden married a respected tribal elder named Warunu. When she met a handsome younger man from another tribe, she set forth into a torrid affair, running off away into the wilderness with her newfound lover. Unfortunately for her, Ulana's husband was a powerful man within her tribe, and he sent out search parties to hunt the pair down and put an end to their adulterous trysts. When they were finally surrounded and separated at the Bavinda boulders, Ulana is then said to have thrown herself into the water and drowned, rather than face a bleak life without her true love. According to the Aboriginal tales, she was never really left. Sorry, according to the Aboriginal tales, she has never really left and still prowls these waters, looking to lure young men to a watery grave, unquote. She sounds like a mean ghost, but I don't think that ghosts can lure the living to their deaths. Here's more from the Mysterious Universe article. There was also the case of a young couple that was swept away by a freak flash flood at the site as they were taking in the view, with the woman surviving, but a man never heard from again. Perhaps the most recent dramatic account of a mysterious death at Devil's Pool is that of a 22-year-old Tasmanian, Tasmanian naval seaman, James Bennett, who had been out for a day exploring the area with some friends in 2010. The group had jumped o over a safety railing to sit in a natural tub of churning water, known locally as the washing machine. According to one of James' friends, he had been swinging, swimming in a calm area nearby, nearby when he was suddenly and violently yanked backwards, as if by an invisible hand, which seemed to be dragging him back towards a section of churning white water at the back of the pool. James had allegedly reached up to grab a branch, which snapped, after which his head went underwater, and he just struggled there, suspended helplessly in the water for no apparent reason with just the tips of his fingers protruding from the surface as he struggled to come up for air. He would remain like this while his friends tried to reach out to him and offer their extending legs before sinking down into the depths to his fate. It would not be until three days later that the body of James Bennett would be found floating about in a calmer section of the stream and a plaque would be erected in the aftermath, eerily, eerily reading, he came for a visit and stayed forever. Most of the area is now closed off, although the inviting locale constantly draws visitors in, unquote. Well, to continue talking about the Devil's Pool after this short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's author of a fascinating book, Amen. 
It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. to Too Good to be True. Before the break, we were discussing the Devil's Pool in Australia and the unfortunate incident where different boys drowned. Where is the official explanation for all the fatalities? I don't think there is an official explanation, except the waters appear to be highly unpredictable. Here's more from the same article. Quote, such tragic incidents are so plentiful that the area had numerous railings and warning signs set up over the years to denote the places that are safe for swimming. Why so many have suddenly drowned in the mostly calm pools here depends largely on who you ask. Officials will tell you that it is all due to fast running water, freak flash floods or untamed currents stirred up by the natural lay of the stream and the boulders dotting it. This could in turn pull people under, the, uh, under and pin them against rocks or wedge them against, against uh, sunken logs, drowning them in a fashion that could be quite possibly witnesses some sort of mysterious unseen force, unquote. With that, I think it's time for the first question. Yes, we'll start with the Bangar Fort. Why did the general build the Bangar Fort for his son? Basically as a protection mechanism. To protect his family and his army? Correct, and somewhere they could be a hideout if needed. Did the holy man build a house warning that if a shadow of any taller building ever touched his house, he would destroy the entire fort city? That could be said, yes. How did that holy man have so much power over what happened to the fort? Not really power, but more of a prediction, you could call it. So the holy man was not warning that he was going to take action. He was warning that if there were a taller building there, there would be a bad outcome. Yes. How did the story of the holy man become known? A legend. So basically it was passed down. So it wasn't one person starting, but more of a legend that started from the spiritual sense. So the story of Princess Ratnavati has no truth in it. Is that correct? Correct. Is there, any, any, is there more you can say about the fort being abandoned following the shadow of the taller building falling on it? Basically that the people believed in the story. So that belief actually made the story more powerful. So basically, when stories are believed in, in a way it gives them power. So if every single person would just have thought it was a story and believed it had zero truth, then it wouldn't have became what it was. Do many visitors experience a strange feeling of restlessness and unusual energy in the fort? Yes. How did the Bangar Fort become the only place in India recognized as legally haunted? Because of all the numbers of people, recordings, photographs, etc. So there are just so many experiences that at a point it couldn't be denied anymore. What happened at the Bangar Fort to cause it to be abandoned? Basically, there were some unfortunate accidents and murders that occurred there. So there was a lot of, you could say, figurative backstabbing and physical backstabbing where disagreements came to the forefront. Why does it take permission from the government to enter the premises after sunset or before sunrise? Because of all the strange occurrences. So the government's afraid that some type of, you could say, authority over the place. So if someone gets injured, etc., it would be blamed on them. So they just want to protect people from it. Is it true that people have entered the fort after dark, have never been seen again? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Why is the fort only dangerous after dark? That's when you could say the spirit realm gets closer to the fort. So it allows the spirits to basically emerge more than when the light is around. 
So this is more of a question of negative spirits or entities rather than ghosts. Correct. Why isn't there an effort to clear the fort of what is feared to be present after dark? It would take a huge group of people. So it would have to make many different people and the amount of money needed to be spent would be too great. Why were so many negative spirits or entities attracted to the fort? Basically because of the vicious murders that took place. So the negative events basically made them attracted to the place. Would demolishing the fort make any difference? No, the spirits would still haunt the land and they may actually act up more. Changing subject to the catacombs of Paris, did outbreaks of the plague have a lot to do with the large number of bones? Yes. Do those who dare venture into the catacombs after midnight reportedly hear the walls talking to them? Yes. Why would pe people think that the walls are talking to them in the catacombs after midnight? So there are two reasons. Number one is that sometimes if people expect to experience something, they do experience it. So if they hear previously that the walls talk, they may convince themselves that the walls are talking. And number two, there are many different spirits. So there are noises, strange echoes, and even some strange voices. So there are both spirits and ghosts? Both. Do disembodied voices, disembodied voices try to lure adventurers farther into the tunnels encouraging them to lose their way and suffer a slow and agonizing death. Yes and no. So some of these voices and encouragement is actually people's own fear and their own psyche going insane, but a little crazy with being in such a very complicated space. Have people wandered off into the maze-like tunnels and having the process become insane? Yes. Is video footage from 2010 authentic, which includes a lost man panicking dropping his camera and bolting into the dark to be never seen again? Unfortunately, yes. If people are never seen again, is that because their bodies aren't, are just aren't found or are their bodies taken away to somewhere else? Their bodies aren't found in most cases. Have cultists stolen bodies from morgues and brought them into the catacombs to perform evil rituals? The overall answer is yes. There are some very evil, nasty people who have done that, so yes. Do the remains of sacrificial murder victims litter the dark corridors embedded with human bones? Not everywhere, but in some places, yes. On the November of on the, in November of 1793, did Philibert Esper, doorkeeper of the Val de Grasse Hospital, decide to go into the catacombs? Yes. Did he use the passage in the Val de Grasse Hospital looking for a chartreuse liquor stocked in the cellar of a convent? Yes. Did he go into the catacombs with only one candle, that being a terrible mistake? Yes. Alone in the darkness, did he wander in the galleries, knocking into everything before finally losing his strength and collapsing? Yes. Was his remains found 11 years later in one of the galleries, identified by the key ring of the Val de Grasse? Correct. Was his body found a few meters from an exit, along with a bottle of alcohol? Again, correct. Was his body buried near where his body was found? Yes. On every 3rd of November, does the ghost of Philibert Asper haunt the galleries of the catacombs? So this is the interesting thing, since again, ghosts technically only have partial time, since they are stuck in this in-between. So it's not always the same exact date, it may fluctuate between a few days. So his ghost haunts the catacombs? Correct. Changing subject to the catacombs of the Capuchin monks, from 1599 onwards, why did family members want the, want the dead bodies of departed monks to be put on display so they could visit them? Basically to pay their respects. Later on, did members of the public offering the pay also gain access? Yes. Why were the remains of other people besides monks included in the 8,000 exhibits? There is kind of a mix-up, so some of the bodies were thought to be important people when they weren't as important as people thought. So the departed monks were seen as being important? Correct. Why are the mummified bodies dressed in their working clothes to denote their callings in life? To basically represent that even the more higher spiritual beings, the monks, were thought to be are still the, at the end of the day, ordinary people. 
Why wouldn't the Capuchin monks have expected the result of their work to become nothing less than a gruesome display? So with the monks and a lot of spiritual meetings, it is that as long as they are making a point, they are not really thinking about what happens to their bodies or what message they are sending. They just want to bring awareness to their work overall. So even when it becomes a gruesome display in a way, they are still fulfilling their job because they are making a point and a story people will talk about years and years later. What has protected the monks and visitors from disease that could have been contracted from the decaying corpses? You can think of it as positive energy in a way, and also the diseases are very contained in a way, so the way that they were laid to rest made it so they would not spread as easily. So that was part of the mummification process? Correct. Why didn't the authorities close down the exhibit, for example, for illegal burial? Because the positive message was still getting through, so in a way the monks were still sending their message and the exhibit wasn't going to harm anyone. No paranormal activity associated with the catacombs of the Capuchin monks was discussed. Are there any entities, positive or negative, that are attached to the monastery? There are positive ones. So some of the monks come and check how everyone is doing, making sure people are safe, and again, continuing to spread their messages. Is there a visual lesson from this macabre exhibit that human bodies are only temporary vessels? There could be said, and also that basically the message that people put so much energy and effort into their physical bodies, but they don't actually put it into their mental and spiritual bodies. So it's the overall message that when part of you dies, there's also the part of you that lives. I think we'll have to take the next question after the break, Justina. Yes, we'll continue with the questions and the psychic insight after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at SimulTV.com. Do it today. Home Shamanic Art School has just launched a new online series of classes, Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow. In these classes, composed and taught by Path Home founder and director Gwilda Wiecka, you'll learn practical shamanic skills to support your daily life, such as how to build a medicine wheel to access the power of the earth, perform a shamanic journey, create sacred space in which to live and work, empower your life with totem animals, elementals, and fairy folk, and learn the art of accurately reading signs and omens. These tried and true skills are the key to living a powerful, productive life. Visit us at findyourpathhome.com to see the ever-growing collection of classes and leading-edge information to support you during these times of uncertainty and transition. All can be found at findyourpathhome.com. 
They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. Before the break, we are going through the questions and the psychic insight about the creepiest places on Earth. So, Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Yes, we're going to change the subject to the Dead Man's Pond in Hamlet Park in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. In the 1950s, did a young boy wade into the water following a frog that had hopped into the pond? There was a boy who followed a frog, yes, but there were many different boys that did this. So the overall answer is yes. Did one of those boys sink deeper into the mud of the pond the harder he thought? No. So no young boy died in the 1950s by being sucked into the pond? No, the mud wasn't the right consistency to make anyone stuck. So there were drownings, but they weren't in connection to the story. Did in more recent years a man who had been at the pond go missing? No. Where did the story of Dead Man's Pond come from? Basically, just because it's a creepy area. So the area looks like somewhere that would be haunted, you could say. Is there anything strange about the pond, or is it just a muddy pond in a park? It's just a pond. Changing subject to Holy Land, USA, in Waterbury, Connecticut, in the early 1950s, did John Baptist, sorry, John Baptist Greco have a vision of a roadside theme park devoted to Christian beliefs? Yes. After 1984, when the park was closed for renovation, why wasn't it reopened before the death of John Baptist Greco? Basically because of the misbeliefs that were spreading. So it was going and taking things to the extreme. After 1986, why were the groups of group of nuns unable to reopen the park to the public? Because of the new mission it had. So it wasn't, as you could say, very manipulating like it was before. So it was more for the people to come and have more fun compared with forced beliefs and people. Why was the park vandalized, especially given its religious theme? Some people just don't like religious objects, including a theme park, since most theme parks are not associated with any beliefs. Why would visitors who stopped to explore make sure they were gone from the park before dark? Just to make sure everyone got out. So it was basically safety. So there may be muggers lurking in the park. Correct, and they don't want someone trapped on a ride or anything like that. With the possibility of Holy Land being reopened by the end of 2018, why would a park with such an unlikely theme be successful? In today's age, it wouldn't, so it would be very hard and attract only a small portion of people who would want to visit a park such as that. So basically the answer is that it wouldn't make much money. Is there anything strange about the park, or is it just a park with a theme that might have been more popular in the 1950s? Not really anything strange. There are some strange people at the park, of course, attracted. So there were extremists that tried to force their beliefs, manipulation, etc. But there wasn't anything strange happening after dark. It was just a normal place, you could say, with some very strange backing. Changing subject to the Babinda Boulders or Devil's Pool in northern Queensland, Australia, have local Aboriginal people long shunned the pool? Yes. Was there once a young, beautiful woman from the Yidinji tribe named Ulana, who after getting married had an affair with a man from another tribe? Yes. When Ulana was tracked down and stranded, did she throw herself into the waters of the Babinda Boulders to die by drowning? rather than face a bleak life without her true love? 
Unfortunately, yes. Did she never really leave, still to prowl the waters, looking to lure young men to a watery grave? Not really luring men to a watery grave, but instead she's still searching for her love, basically. So is she a ghost? Yes. Why were a young couple swept away by a freak flash flood as they were taken in the view, with the woman surviving but the man never being heard from again? That was just a freak accident, so nothing to do with a ghost. In 2010, did a 23-year-old Tasmanian naval seaman with a group of others jump over a safety railing to sit in a natural tub of churning water known as the washing machine? Yes. Did the naval seaman swim in a calm area nearby when he was suddenly and violently yanked backwards as if by an invisible hand, dragging him back towards a section of churning white water at the back of the pool? He got pulled in, but it was not by a ghost or a hand, but by the riptide. Despite the efforts of his friends, did the victim die by drowning? Yes. Why did it take three days to find the body? Because the waters are so unpredictable, so that's where there needs to be safety in place, is because one moment there can be calm water, and the next moment it will be very dangerous water. Are so many reported drownings occurring due to fast-running water, freak flash floods, or untamed currents stirred up by the natural air of the stream, and the boulders dotting it. Yes, that's correct. Could the untamed currents pull people under and pin them against rocks or wedge them under sunken logs, draining them in a fashion that quite possibly be witnessed as some sort of mysterious unseen force? Yes, because in a lot of places, it's not seen by the surface what is going on under the water. It's a natural, basically, setup of different pools, makes it so that there's a lot of unknowns underneath the water. Why are the drowning victims predominantly male? Males are more likely to take the risk. So a lot of females are more cautious, you could say, when it comes to swimming. And males usually have something to prove. So they will jump in because their buddies told them to, etc. What can we learn from the reality rather than the myths and legends of the creepy places we have discussed today? Basically that in some cases, things are passed down that are not always true. So in certain locations, it is just the natural features, the natural earth is the one responsible, you could say. But in other cases, yes, there are different paranormal occurrences. So the warning is always that in anywhere that is haunted, to always make up your own belief. If you believe it is haunted or if you believe something natural is going on there. And to not go by everyone else's stories all of the time. So the stories are very interesting, but sometimes things are not exactly what they seem to be. That was the last answer. Are the kindly spirits of departed Capuchin monks too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, we had uh, a whole gamut of different situations. I thought it was really ironic, the most ghastly place of them all, the, uh, the monastery of the Capuchin monks with its rotting corpses was from a spiritual point of view or paranormal point of view was the most uh, innocuous that seemed uh, really really odd well i think my favorite place was the theme park that was a very interesting place and on a serious note it's actually very interesting that there's rumors and misinformation that spread from different places so unfortunately there was that incident that happened at the theme park but it seems like at the end of the day it was just a theme park with their own beliefs maybe some strange beliefs the locals thought they were pretty strange but it seemed like a pretty normal theme park yeah and uh, the the creepy places of hamlet park in minnesota and the babinda uh, rocks i forget what the, what the big babinda boulders was it um where people appeared, well, the first story at Hamlet Park was all fiction, but uh, at, uh, at the, 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 the site in Australia, um, there was the appearance that something really weird was going on, and it was all natural forces. So you've got to be very careful what you believe. I think the most interesting part is looking into these stories and 
kind of what the insight said is that people need to form their own views. So the stories are really interesting. I think it's very interesting to hear a story about a woman who lures men into this pool. But at the end of the day, it might just be something natural. So it might be that the water is just dangerous. And I think what we learned from that story overall is that if there's barriers at somewhere, you probably shouldn't swim in it. You probably shouldn't jump over it. You probably should listen to the warnings because they're there for a reason. Yes, the fort in India was interesting because the Indian government actually um, sort of condemned it to uh, not to be visited after dark because it was legally haunted. So for a government to officially recognize the paranormal is kind of interesting in itself. Well, it makes me wonder how they got to that conclusion. So did they have some of the government officials go there and experience things? Did they find proof? It makes me wonder what they actually did to come to the conclusion of legally haunted. Well, I guess people went missing or there were people that uh, were freaked out. And uh, I guess they didn't want to take any responsibility. So I wonder if, if part of that is that if you if you think that something is really bad is going to happen to you, in a, in a certain situation or a certain place, and probably it's going to, you're going to imagine it's going to happen. So who knows? But uh, that was interesting that uh, there was the uh, legal stamp of approval or the government stamp of approval that a place was actually haunted. Well, as always, we love to hear from the listeners, and we would love to have more listener suggestions. So the listeners can go to our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True, with our first two spelled T-W-O, and we'd love to hear comments on today's show. If you have a haunted, creepy place you want us to talk about, if you have some weird natural phenomenon like the Devil's Pool that you've heard of, anything like that, please send over suggestions. And you can also go to our website website at toogoodtobetree.net and dad any final words no not really uh, it was uh, i guess we have to sort of apologize for cracking up when we're talking about <laughs> these uh, horses going through the uh, the monastery and finding uh, the corpses stuff with hair straw i can't remember but uh, i guess that just just a vision of that was just too funny so i guess we should apologize for cracking up but uh, sometimes you just can't help it Well, on that note, thank you so much to the listeners, and we appreciate each and every one of you, and we look forward to next week's show as always. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is TV. TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games, 
No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand, live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365.